you want Keith to re-record the, the moment where he said this is semantics moment. The, pro the problem well, no, is I never let... capture that that uh, uh, same energy. Well, it's funny because it sounds exactly the same as the first. No, I can, I can do it. But he, this he, is the semantics department. See, like, like right exactly now, I was just, yeah, I was still talking, and then he, he like started saying something. So I was like, okay, great. All right, here we go. This is the semantics department. See, it's not the same. We went to this winery that it was kind of put on by this like immersive art group. And because the, the location, it, well, the, the winery, like the, the building and everything was built or designed by um, Hunterwasser, which is like this like artist in the 80s. Oh, so, okay. And he's sort of somewhat distinctive of like some of the things you think about like 80s style and stuff like that. But, uh, and he wasn't really an architect. He was kind of this like artist and, and this guy got obsessed with him and asked him to like build this building. So it's this like, it's the only Hunter Bosser like building in, 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 in the U S and so this like immersive arts group kind of thought it'd be cool to get a tour of this. And then, you know, we tasted the wine and everything. But Dan, when we were driving back from this, Monique insisted that we listen to uh, the podcast. Oh my God. Just fun. Um, Why? I heard about this. She wanted to, I don't know. I mean, we had run out of things to talk about. <laughs> it was like an hour-long car ride or whatever. Um, but one thing I found out that I was very disappointed in is that um, apparently Dan fell asleep before the end of Fury Road. What? <laughs> I thought I told you guys that. I said you did I not said, tell us that. So, dude, it just didn't. It just didn't grab you. I, that's okay, I guess. One thing I was thinking is like you're never allowed to talk to my wife again. It it does occur to me that. Um, like you just might not be an action movie fan, you know. Do you I think that accurate? I, I liked it. I said I have a hard. You time fell asleep. I fell asleep. <laughs> your volume's real low, Dan. Is it? Okay. Yeah, compared to John Paul, it is. All right, it sounds fine with for me. Um, it is low. I it's low for me too. I, I was gonna I was gonna get technical for a second, but I it's I mean we're kind of grooving right now. I'm just gonna. Let That's it fine. Run. But anyway, yes, you you know, like I was I was mortified to find out that you fell asleep. Uh, John Paul, I've fallen I've fallen asleep. Pretty much every movie I've ever seen. That's that's fine. I'm I'm just like maybe 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 just I would you say it's accurate statement that you just not that into like action movies? Is that do you think that's true? Uh yeah, probably. I I mean you it's not, I don't even think it's action movies though. Like you've told me you've fallen asleep before the end of like TV episodes. Yeah. Well, falling asleep is fine, uh, and but I just I presume you didn't fall asleep uh, watching Whiplash, for example. Wait, did I watch Whiplash? I didn't see Whiplash. Damn it. Did I? <laughs> you, you, Whiplash is, is the movie you said you saw instead of watching Fury Road when we told you to watch it. No, 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 no. I, I saw May, December. Well, that too. Before that, you saw Oh, you saw oh wait. Whiplash. Whiplash was the drumming movie, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. Right. Yeah, yeah. See? Anyway, that's, that's fine. You guys have, you have lists. I don't have lists. Like, <laughs> it's fine. It's, it doesn't. It's nuts. It's not. It's You're not like, important. Yeah, well, we got this list thing. That's just, and... that's just the final update so, of this, this saga wait. Road is that you you fell asleep during it, which is so that's the ultimate review. Are we are you not going to increase your volume? We're going to do this again, aren't we? Yes. Well, we can I, cut I, I, we can I, I, cut I, I, things out, but like I'm I'm just sort of saying that like <laughs> no, because you're going to trigger John Paul and he's going to start shaming me about my microphone and shaming it's fine. Everything's like, fine. I no, I don't need to instruct you on how to use a microphone. Yeah, put that well, microphone closer to yourself. Well, all right.
Last time he was getting some pops and and I'm still uh, getting pops, but I don't have I don't have a pop filter, so I'm gonna well, and what is that what is that called? Sibilance, sibilance, and pop. Yeah, I, like that. that that's, you want you want me to play the intro because like the the new intro is awesome. <laughs> uh, and the and the best part is is you're like I'm worried about like when Keith was going around the room and asking questions about like you know was this uh, what was it like you know being recorded and being on a podcast for the first time and. <laughs> It's so great. John Ball's like, I'm not worried about like getting in trouble or anything or like, you know, because a lot of stuff's like in public domain, but like, I just don't want to come across as being an asshole. And like, <laughs> so, so the intro of the next episode is you telling me that I don't know how to use my microphone. You're like, right. I'm going to show you how to use this next time. And I'm like, yeah, well, I don't yeah. even know how to do that. And you're like, yeah, but you don't know what you're talking about because I own an audio company. And I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> great. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. It's, but anyways, it's, I love it. I love the banter. I didn't realize that your company was, that you do audio engineering and it totally checks out. Like, I don't know why my brain didn't make that. Well, connection. I mean, we don't no, no, do, no, it's, no, no, you it's, do, you do. I mean, just, just own it. You do. We like, don't, it, we don't it, do audio engineering in the sense that like, no, but you have to understand that because you're building that for tools for people to like, like, what do you define audio engineering as? Right. We make audio. Well, audio engineering. I mean, an audio engineer is the guy behind the mixing booth, you right. know, you right. know, who you don't have those them. people working for you, but you have no, them no. as your customer and personas. I'm assuming sort of i mean everything well, we do kind of like semi-pro you know but also uh, your brother is like building dsps and stuff like that right yeah. a little bit you know we have we have um wouldn't that be auto engineering yeah 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 to some degree it's just it's just i think it's a, i don't know maybe this is this is by nature a semantics thing but you know, an audio engineer is someone who like operates the audio equipment and like does the mixing and, you know, sets up mics and all. This yeah. Stuff. During recording and stuff like that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like, we do. You know, no, we, no, you, you also have done like music, right? Like, yeah, we make music. We make right. audio software of various kinds. And we've done, you know, multi-track recording tools that that definitely were like emulating like some of the mixing board stuff, you know, that that you would use. And we so we do DSP for that. And, you know, we're also testing with different mics at the time, you know, yeah, that, I mean, I, right. right. I, I, I get it. No, it's, it's awesome. I'm sorry. I didn't realize that enough about that. I, we, the last time we were talking about uh, ethics, cause I was talking about, um, I think it was like lying to Google or something like that. And one of the topics was to get into um, ethics and ethical consumerism or something like that. Oh, I mean, we can move on to that one. I'm trying to figure out where to start on that one. Um, it's so like, like it, your, the, your write up was awesome. I don't know if that was well, like, I, that was great. Well, well, I didn't write that, but like, um, I, I can say something about it. So let's, um, I think where this started was Dan, you said something like the CEO of Home Depot says Trump is bad. Are you going to shop there now? And yeah. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, okay. That, wait, what, what, like, that's great. Again. I, so, so like a couple of years ago, like there was like this thing about, um, you know, Home Depot and Lowe's, right? The biggest like sort of home shops or whatever. And mm -hmm. like the CEO of Home Depot is a big like, you know, Republican Trump supporter, don donator. Um, yeah. And yeah. Um, the CEO of Lowe's is like, you know, this like 
self-made like black millionaire guy right and it's like you know which one are you going to support like are you going to go to lowe's are you going to go to home depot home depot is like a little bit more ubiquitous than lowe's or something lowe's is like got this reputation of being like kind of like more expensive than home depot or something but um and i was kind of saying like well i'm going to choose to shop at lowe's then like i mean i now i know this thing about like home depot i'm going to choose to shop at lowe's i guess i mean lowe's is more convenient for me anyways and based on where i live yeah. but like um i still shop at home depot if like you know if i need something i mean i bought a house this year and like we bought a billion things from home depot <laughs> you right. know what i mean well, like yeah that was my so point like, like we had this argument when you were still an apartment uh, well you know home rental dweller yeah. and i and i'm like just wait you're, you're gonna need to go to home depot and so i sure. go to home depot L the reason why i don't go to lowe's is lowe's is more of like finished carpentry whereas home depot is like yeah. where I, when i need to get into the pipes and i need to like sure. sweat copper and stuff and it's more for contractors typically i mean i'm Sure. I think that's true. I think you can get a lot of that kind of stuff at Lowe's, but they, they do have a different, a slightly different, you know, frame basically. Yeah. 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 And and yeah. so, so you said something like, I don't, we, we try not to shop at home. I think you made, you made a very like honest comment. You said, we, we typically don't shop at Home Depot. We go to Lowe's. It fits our needs. And oh, by the way, the CEO is a big Trumper. Yeah, I think I basically, I was kind of like, said, ah, I basically said something like, you know, if I had the choice, I'll just go to Lowe's. If, right. like, if they have the thing I want versus Home Depot, I'll just go to Lowe's. Right. right. And so this this always brings up the conversation. Like, even when I talked about Tesla, I was like, look, you know, it's it's not a great company. Like, yeah. I don't care. I don't care who who owns it. Not yeah. a great company. And they don't value their workers. And then, you know, we were talking about like, well, Dan, you're shopping at Home Depot. Like, that guy's putting money in in the GOP's pockets. And I'm like, wow, man, I can't get away from any of this stuff. And this is where I always sort of tongue in cheek back to you. You say, this is like the good place because you know, this is sort of like that. And, and it, it just, it starts sure. an argument. Wait, expand on that. What do you mean by the good place? What are you saying? Well, well, what, what he means is like the good place, a comedy show, right. Is, you know, somewhat about ethics and like moral philosophy it's sort of like you know how to be like a better person and stuff like that that's kind of like the the overarching you know theme of it right mm -hmm. you know of course it's like about a bunch of ding-dongs being like dumb and stuff like that as well but like uh and it's a comedy show so it's for laughs but like they did actually like have moral philosophers consult on the show and everything mm -hmm. and um the guy who created it, Michael Schur, wrote a book called How to Be Perfect. And it's basically like him basically going through like kind of a little bit his journey to like why he decided to focus on this and like what he learned about it through making the show and a little bit about like how he feels about it as well. It's actually it's a really entertaining book on ethics, basically. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's funny because it's written by a comedy writer, but it's also like, you know, down to earth about ethics and everything. It's like, it's actually a really good read. Like if you want to just like get an overview of a lot of like moral philosophy and stuff like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I, I looked in the book the other day and I can read this. I think it's kind of short. Um, so like what I, I found, I was like, is there a section on, I thought there was a section on like, sort of like, how do you deal with like, you know, buying stuff, knowing that the company you're buying from or the person you're buying from is doesn't meet like your definition of a good person, right? 
And the example that he gives is Chick-fil-A, right? He, he, he was also like the uh, creator of Parks and Rec and they had a writer's room and there, the big story came out during that, that was like Chick-fil-A gave, you know, money to like all these like gay conversion, like, you know, therapies and stuff like that. And so didn't support gay marriage and all this stuff. And he was like, well, I'm not going to eat Chick-fil-A anymore. And then like some of the other writers were like, well, okay, here's a bunch of arguments. Like, you know, you not eating a chicken sandwich isn't really going to affect their bottom line and the chicken sandwiches are so good. <laughs> like, what does it matter? Mm -hmm. Right. You know what I mean? And that like led him sort of on this journey, I think is like, you know, like how do I deal with this kind of thing? Right. And the thing that he says in the book that I, I think gets at this in an interesting way is um, the most important part of becoming better people. I'll say yet again, is that we care about whether what we do is good or bad and therefore try to do the right thing. If we love a problematic person or thing too much to part with it altogether, I think that means we have to keep two ideas in our head at the same time. One, I love this thing, and two, the person who made it is troubling. Forgetting about the first means we lose a piece of ourselves. Forgetting about the second means we are denying that this thing causes us and others anguish, and thus we're failing to show concern for the victims of awful behavior. We can think both of these things at the same time, and if we do, if we really confront the wrongs of the artist as we consume their work, instead of making excuses or living in denial, we can to some degree forgive ourselves for keeping them in our lives. In certain cases, we will find it impossible to continue to enjoy the thing we love. The artist will do something we simply cannot abide, and it will prove so ugly and damning that we just cannot spend our time or money to support them, even in private. But in other cases, when something is so inexorably woven into our core identities that life without it feels unthinkable maintaining these two ideas those two ideas simultaneously can help us avoid the pain of severing all ties while still striving for self-improvement um i don't want to keep talking if anybody has any thoughts but like um i i think about this like this basically encapsulates the way i deal with like harry potter right you know what i mean um you know i don't think either of you are really fans of harry potter but like you know i read the books i saw the movies i've been to universal you know my wife is really a big fan of harry potter and it means like a lot to us as like a couple basically because it was something we had in common and something that you know brings us together right it's like one of the aspects of things that we like or whatever and it's like you know rowling has turned out to basically be like a villain based to me and um but the way I think about it is like, I'm not going to actively promote it. I can still have memories. I have like a Lego Hogwarts in my house. Like, you know what I mean? Like we watch the movies. Um, but I don't think I can like pick up a new book by her or something like that and go like, okay, she wrote this book, right? What, and... if, what if she wrote a new Harry Potter book? That would be like a struggle. I think I don't think I could, though, because like mm -hmm. based on how she acted before her great, I don't know, turn and how she acts now, like everything she does seems to be focused on this anti-trans like yeah. outlook of hers. Right. Like everything she does, like she writes these crime books and like one of the villain in like one of these recent crime books was like 
you know, a trans woman that preyed on women or something like that. Like, yeah, like it's the villain was actually like transgender and was using the sort of like conservative argument about like, I don't want men in my daughter's bathrooms and stuff like that. Right. And like the, the you know, at this point. Well, I knew Harry Potter film going to be that. Yeah, this viewpoint of hers is like infected or, or I don't know, infected, but it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's now being expressed in her her output right. right so in that case right. it's easy because there's, just there's like, no well, question that if there's another harry potter book it's clearly going to have a villain who's a trans person there's no question right. like yeah. she because she, she's obviously going to dig herself out of a hole and and gain a new audience is what yeah. she's trying to do but it's like i saw those movies the fantastic beast ones while she was starting to go down this path like at first she sounded somewhat reasonable like she was like i'm concerned for women right and i'm like okay I can understand that concern or whatever, but then she just kind of dug in as time went on. And like, I don't really know where her views and my cons- my consumption of her output, like really, or her newer, her later output really overlap. But like, yeah, you know, this... like I've been to Universal, I've been to Hogwarts, you know, the like Harry Potter thing, like twice, I think. And like, yeah, I saw those, like, Fantastic Beast movies, and I think she was starting to talk about that stuff in the last years that I was doing that. But, like, now, yeah. it's like, I don't know if I could really stomach it. Well, it you seems know? like the content is going to be full of just this perspective. So, yeah. like, the, And it's not really, like, is... a monetary thing, right? It's not, a mon- it's not like, she's already a billionaire. I'm not going to take... $20 out of her pocket if I don't see a movie or buy a well, book. Well, now her, right? her work is just not going to resonate with you anymore right. in the same way because, especially if it, if the content is in, like uh, influenced by this this perspective that, right. that that doesn't work. And, you know, this thing about like digging into a position is, is, is very strange. Like, you know, like, so she stepped into it for some, whatever reason, and then there seems to be this phenomenon where like you feel that that she feels attacked or, you know, I'm, I'm speculating here, I guess, but like all these people kind of are critical and possibly very vitriolic in their criticisms. So you, 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 you kind of end up being attacked and then this reaction to dig in Mm. to that, that position, we, we seem to see that, you know, amongst these kind of like famous celebrity types. And we, yeah, Oh, Gervais. I'm not aware of that. Of his oh, thing. yeah. Ooh, sure, yeah. Chappelle, definitely. And I, I watched his special kind of, uh, I forget the name of that one, where like it was kind of, he essentially, le- it was a less of a comedy show and more of a lecture on his position of, of like, you can't listen to comedians issues. now. Yeah, you can't listen to comedians now. They're terrible. Yeah, I mean, once Chappelle they, basically they... like said some things that think people were offensive. And then his uh, next show after that was like, Dignity you guys were wrong for being it. offended. Because I'm a comedian. And yeah, but yeah the, like, well, like Jim I mean, Brewer, all those guys are doing this stuff now. They're they're producing terrible comedy expos where all they're doing they're not even funny. Well, Jim all they're Brewer doing has is gone way way well, right wing. I think. Yeah, I know, but I mean, it's you know, that's no question that they're all yeah, doing it's, it. It's, it's they're, a, it's they're they're similar... they're losing audiences, so they have to go to the audience that yeah. aligns with what they screwed up on, and then they get stuck there. I mean, it's it a very you know, similar Chappelle... thing to like you know the white grievance kind of argument of like white people are being left behind kind of thing. It's like all they have is a grievance and no, 
I don't know. Like nothing my back it up. It's really just a grievance. I, like, did you watch? I'm trying to remember what's the name of the special where he he did this. Isn't um, it called like the closer or something like that? Yeah, I think it's the closer. I think that's the one. I mean, that's not the you know, new and I'm one, a Chappelle though, fan. I've seen a lot of his stand up over the years and everything. And like, you know, the my critique of the closer is that it wasn't funny. Like, I mean, there's jokes in it and stuff, but he spent a lot of time just like, yeah, airing his grievance essentially. And like, it wasn't even a, you know, this is comedy, so you shouldn't be offended position it, it's like it was a little bit more than that you know he's yeah. got some so I, i'm talking about like his subsequent the way that he dug in on it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know what i mean like yeah, the closer yeah, the closer was sort of like the beginning of this right oh okay you know what i mean and then after that he dug in and he's what's, like oh the, the reaction to the closer now? is calling me like the antichrist or whatever i'm just gonna dig in more and now all of my shows are gonna be about like trans humor Mm-hmm. yeah well tra- the thing is that i guess i haven't seen subsequent specials that much um what's the new one but that one it, the problem is it just wasn't funny that's my critique of it like if you're sure. a comedian you know that's essentially the tool you should use and I, I think part of comedy is to walk this line between you know being offensive and and sort of you know it's it's very comedy is like this incredibly hard thing to, to define and pull off and you know, one one element of comedy is that it just absolutely does not age well, you know, like and, and it, with very rare exceptions. And I think as long as you just stay a comedian, right, and, and continue to like that, that line's going to move on you and you have to kind of always walk it and like continue to walk that line. And like, I think trans humor is completely valid for comedians, you know. Uh, and it doesn't mean that it can't be offensive. And that's one aspect of comedy. But once you start switching gears into like lecturing your audience and analyzing the nature of comedy and this kind of stuff, like it becomes very unfunny and like you kind of lose like any any ability to go do this. And, well, isn't so like the, closer... the worst? Like the worst comedy is explaining the comedy. Basically, yeah, right? it's almost if you like, have to explain like, your jokes. Don't, yeah. yeah, if you don't, if you have to explain your joke, it's not funny in the first place, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but yeah. So, so, but this digging in thing that people get into is is we. I feel like we see it a lot these days. Like, I mean, we mm-hmm. talk about Elon a lot, and like, you know, he he seems to be doing this. Where like any critique of of things he said like he he leans into more and more yeah. in this increasingly kind of off the hook G- sort of way f y gfy oh yeah exactly <laughs> so like like he you know is there is there an element to what's happening in social media with kind of celebrities and and the critique they get that kind of sends people into this like they tripping into a position like no, this like is thing. this is the same thing as when people trip up the stairs, right? Like you, you, you're going to the staircase, yeah, you trip yeah, up the great. stairs. It's like how how yeah. does that happen? Like falling down the stairs is really bad. These people <laughs> are tripping forward, so they yeah. they they come out, they say something, they get held accountable for it, and then it it becomes really bad. And their knee jerk reaction is, I'm going to go with the people that I'm in good company with, and so mm-hmm. they head in that mm-hmm. direction. Like mm-hmm. you just said a second ago, that Jim Brewer is terrible. He is. So so is Roseanne well, I Barr. Said, I said super right wing. Super right wing. Well, they, he wasn't always like that. And same thing with Roseanne Barr. She's like they're all nuts now. Like how could you be a comedian, a good true artist to the craft, and 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 then all of a sudden become like you know, lack of inclusivity 
right? Lack of diversity, lack of creative thought. That's all that left brain stuff. And and I'll, I'm going to plug a podcast episode. So the Jort Center guys did a Patreon episode they just unlocked. And it's an hour of them talking about how the GOP or the conservatives are terrible at art. They're terrible at movies. They're terrible mm-hmm. at, at paintings. They're terrible at comedy, all of that stuff. And it comes out. And I just think what you're seeing is that Chappelle is unfunny now because he's now tripped. He tripped up the stairs into this new topic, this new realm. At the and top it's not of the fun. stairs is, is it's, like it's hyper conservative values or something. Well, no, like that. I, I just I'm saying that like you're falling well, forward instead of falling. I got down. no, I get it. It's but not like, funny I, I to like just that complain of, about things. That, that's what I'm like, saying is that like that, they have like, nothing else to, to make fun of because like, you know, if they're you, angry. Like the people you know in your life, right, that just complain about shit you are the people you from. don't really want to hang around. Exactly. Right. Like you don't want to hang around people that are just a freaking drip. Right. So like. You know, why in the world do you think that like people that all they have is grievance could make good art? You know, right. can I can I ask you a question, Keith? Because this is your topic, sure. And we're talking about consumerism, so this is kind of a stretch. But this came up last night, and it's related to movies, and it sort of falls in this path. So, so hear me out on this one. So, uh, my. My buddies were over, or my buddy was over last night, and we were talking about movies. And he said that he overheard a bunch of coworkers talking about Batman, and they were talking about how the version of Heath Ledger being the Joker was a really, really bad take because it was a, a riff and a mockery of uh, me- mental health. And so the, the, there were two coworkers that were saying that this was a really bad thing to make mental health look like that. And then he, you know, sort of got in a debate with them. And it I don't got. Think that has it, anything to do with Heath Ledger's take, though. Well, no, I well, mean, I, the no, Joker they, is sort of, um, you know, well, that was his, just a psychopath. That's his point. He's, so he's like, like, he's like, do you know anything about the story of Batman? Like, Arkham Asylum is like why he's there. He's, he's a. You know, he has mental health issues. And then yeah, I that's said. Not, that's I, not totally true. There, there's a lot of different, like, origins to the joker right i don't know what the current like canon one is but there's a lot of different origins but we know that he's got mental health problems i mean he gets locked based up on some based asylum, on something right? sure but i mean okay well anyways my okay so is that, but, does that but does that mean that you can't make a movie about like a murderer wait Wait, okay, wait, you're getting close. You're getting close to why I brought this up. And and I'm not coming at you. I'm asking a question because I want to understand yeah, this. Okay, all right, sorry. So I said, well, what about uh, Phoenix? Like, I, I think his version of the Joker tells a very, very strong and compelling story where you see somebody who has severe mental health issues. And the movie, the way it was filmed sensationalizes it and makes you feel that he's the protagonist and not the antagonist. He's doing terrible things, but you feel yeah. sorry for him. So we went down that path for a second. That's why I refuse to see that movie. Okay. That's why I'm bringing this up. So okay. <laughs> ethical consumerism. I've said this to you a couple of times. I'm like, what about this movie? And you're like, I won't watch that. I said, why not? You said, well, because it's just another one of those movies that sensationalizes the bad guy turns, turns the antagonist into the protagonist. And I don't want to feel sorry for people that are bad people. And so you choose not to go to the the store to buy that type of content. Yeah. That's your, that's your check on consumerism. Meanwhile, it's well, it still, turns the villain into the protagonist. That, so okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so, so uh, I, what I'm saying is that uh, you're choosing not to shop at that store. Like I, I actually thought that the Joker was a great story and yes, I felt sorry for him, but it also 
made me realize more about how important mental health care is. And while I felt sorry for him, it made me be more empathetic about the mental health industry, right? Whereas you're looking at it like, no, this guy's nuts. He's a terrible person. And I'm not going to go spend money on a movie where it sensationalizes the villain. And you have this take on a couple of other films too that sure. we've talked about. Yeah, so, like I mean, I, I wanted, to, I wanted, to peel, I wanted to like, this that. is my argument about people walking around with like stormtroopers and Darth Vader t- t- t-shirts. Yes, yes it's yes. like, what, what are you promoting? Are you promoting fascism? Are you promoting like murderers? Are you promoting like uh, military might? Or you know, I mean. Pulp Fiction posters in dorms. I mean, Goodfellas in dorms. Like, they're right. all criminals. Yeah. Like, that's what people sensationalize. I don't I mean, understand it. it. With, in their minds, they're promoting a property they like, right? But in some way, they're identifying with a certain character, right? You know what I mean? And they're going like, this character is cool to me. And I'm like, what's cool about it? Like, what is cool about... Deadpool. Right? That's slightly, he's sort of an anti-hero though. So like, that's kind of a different one. Like, but like, what's cool about a stormtrooper, right? I right. mean, they have a cool helmet. <laughs> right. Like, I it's think the that's the t-shirt. I guarantee it's the aesthetic. It's the aesthetic, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's the alpha male, you know, laser so shooting, you, you have this, armor. You have this, like, well, I mean, stormtroopers are notoriously, like, terrible at everything in Star Wars. <laughs> but sure. anyway, that so... You have this like, like, uh, position, I guess, Keith. That you're like, I I don't want to see movies about villains where the villain is is somehow the main character or the good, is the that good guy? Well, perceived think, as the good guy. No, that no, I think that that's am I right, Keith? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I guess the way to because you see it villain like, movies. I know. Like, you I don't do. want to see a villain as the protagonist. So, so what about so? That's what so like, I let's said. Take, well, Did you get roll the tape. He corrected me. I said, I said, where the where the antagonist is the protagonist, and he well, was like, different. no, it's the villain. So that's different, though. That's that's totally different. So, like, if the villain is the protagonist, that movie probably has an antagonist. That means there's a person in the that good movie guy. Which trying is the... to stop, right? Trying to stop the villain from doing whatever they're doing, right? Yeah. Or there's some Maybe. roadblock. To, there's some roadblock to the villain trying to accomplish their goal. Like so the movie that comes protagonist and villain, you know, like protagonist isn't synonymous with like good guy, right? You know, right? Okay. okay. So okay. now, okay. now the thing, the thing, yeah. So, so like, like, what about so, what about like a, a taxi driver? Yeah. Taxi driver? Yeah. Like, just I mean, to reach I've into the classic. taxi driver. So is is taxi driver something that you would be like would fall into this this no fly zone category for you? Or like it's like. like I think it's a movie that in, an impressionable person could see and identify with Bickle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and and like, is that is that disqualify it in your view? It's not something I would exactly disqualify from. What? What do you mean? Well, from uh... do I think it's a good idea to have that movie in existence? I probably not. Okay. Yeah. So, like, it's not. It's, the reason I'm mentioning Taxi Driver is that it is like, I think it's considered in in in, in the pantheon of classics, right? And yeah, sure. Yeah. I think course. the question here is 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 it art 
that enriches society. Enriches society. I don't know. Enriches society. So, so I would. I don't. I, would I don't say, know. Like I mean, if you, if you put me up against the wall, I would say no, probably. But like, I don't know if I could really argue it articulately. Uh huh. I mean, I think that's the question here. Is like, and take another one, like, um, you know, Apocalypse Now, maybe. Right. Which is more nuanced than Taxi Driver because it's like, sure. is the protagonist a villain in that film? You know, like uh, essentially, Americans no, are the villains protagonist in that film. is Martin Sheen in that film. Yeah, yeah, but like, that's that's true. So he he, um, maybe that's not a good good example. I, to some degree, Apocalypse Now is a critique on America in that era. Yeah. Uh, oh, so it's, it's a almost critique I, on America and a, and a critique on you know violence and war. So like. Yeah, so maybe I would that say, one's... I would say it is good, <laughs> yeah. But, like, okay. you know, Travis Bickle in The Taxi Driver is, like, not really made out to be bad, exactly. Like, like in right. our minds, we know what he's doing is bad, right? But, like, the movie's message doesn't really say that. I mean, Taxi Driver's interesting, right? Because he he essentially descends into sort of, like, become like some extreme like cancer on society where he's like, he like arms himself to the teeth and he's going to like do something. And, he, and it's like right. over this like unrequited love thing that he has, he, he's kind of an outsider to society. And then he ends up killing some people, but then he, and it, and it's like clearly not good, but then like he ends up being heralded as a hero in the press. That's kind of my recollection of how that one ends. I think that's right. Cause <laughs> so like it flips the script on you a couple times at least yeah but it, nevertheless i mean i think i think yeah it's like it's like i i what you're saying is interesting because it's like yeah an impressionable and i'm sure it's happened many times like impressionable kids who are brains are still forming right uh uh see this and kind of yeah identify with this protagonist and it's like they don't get the the sort of negative aspects of it you know like they're not the, quite mature the kid enough that, like shot up the movie theater like dyed his hair green and like was basically acting out the joker you know mm -hmm. like this happens you know like you get you right. can read these like diatribes you know from various mass shooters and stuff like that and they all seem to identify with like these sort of outsider villain types you know mm -hmm. and i mean you know so so do you think like the the art is the cause of of this stuff or is it just reflecting something that exists in society because like the you know if you're an outsider and that's how you feel and you see some film or something where they they they're showcasing an outsider. It's somewhat natural that you might identify with that, but you were that way to begin with, right? Maybe. I, I mean, when I see that kind of thing, I'm like, why are we making this? Like, like what is the what is the purpose of making a movie that puts the Joker as the protagonist? And like in my mind, it's because people like the Joker, and it'll be sensational, and it'll make money. Well, it's more, I, I don't it's really more see it as like they're making them. 
a sort of meta commentary. Like, I'm glad that like, Dan, you came away with it, like caring more about mental health. Yeah. And I absolutely. hope that like a lot of people would come away with it from that. You, but you from my perspective, it's they, like, they didn't. they didn't, that's not what it looks like. Right. right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like it's a, even, even that film, which I I've seen. And I think Phoenix is like, it undergoes this amazing transformation. And so it's like, it's sort of a, a tour de force of like some acting. I don't think it's particularly great as a film in general, but like it, you know, it has that you you can, you can watch it from that lens and appreciate it, but it, it's still a cartoon character. Right. Well, and but this, and I, this I think version it's, of this I think movie... it's okay. I think it's okay to, to like, I'm not against like taking these comic book characters and, and doing, Normalize sort of more that that movie was the like, first like that was the first normalization out into three dimensions. That that was the so, first normalization of the Joker that I had seen because normalization. He, yeah, he 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 became a human being, whereas up until then he was a villain. He was he was always portrayed as this this mysterious person that had unlimited amounts of cash. He was robbing like it was like it it was a a not natural thing. It was I was watching a superhero when I saw the Joker or when I saw Joker, it was that could be my neighbor. That could be the guy down the street who then really become like I think the Keith's point is like the kid that shot up the movie theater took on that persona. I mean, he that kid was the Joker. He went into a movie theater. He shot yeah. people up. That's exactly what you know what I mean? So this was the first time that the Joker became a real person and not a uh, you know, a, 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 a comic book character, if you yeah, will. Yeah, and I don't know I don't think it's good to empath like empathize with a villain, I guess. But think, but think about what happens in consumerism. Well, I so, think, so to I think tie this back to consumerism is like if you talk about something that is really good, that's not as an interesting conversation as something that was really bad. That's just how, that's just how human nature is. We always talk about the worst experience we had at a restaurant instead of saying this was the best place everybody should go there. Those those yeah. are those are not interesting conversations. I mean, people always want to sensationalize bad news because it's more interesting. And I just think that this is where we are is like well, the, the, telling stories about bad things is more interesting than watching Hallmark because everything yeah. on Hallmark. I mean, ends it's in why life. Trump is popular. Yeah, that's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. I mean, exactly. Uh, you know, antagonists are you like the villains in movies are usually the most interesting characters. You know, you mean the villains. Not See, the I, 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 I said both words. But like, like, you know, like, that's that's the thing that. I hear a lot though. It's like, oh, you know, Kylo Ren was the most interesting person in the new Star Wars movies. Mm -hmm. And it's yep. like, yeah, but he sucked. Like, don't put his face on your t shirt just because you thought he was the most interesting character. You know, like, well, it's, so, so, humans Vader, are terrible, Vader, Keith. Just, just, let's go with the actual good Star Wars movies, right? Vader is, was... is arguably the most interesting character. The whole story arcs around him, his, his redemption, you know, that he achieves. Like, all of this stuff, like the, the reason that, that the villains can be the most interesting is that they, they can represent these like extreme positions, but also have sort of this more drama in their, in their kind of story. But the truth is like, you know, that it's just a matter of good writing. Like the antagonist, the, I guess the, the protagonists can all, you know, always have these elements as well. It's, it's part of it is in these like comic book movies that we're sort of inundated with these days. Like, I think the villains are, are, able to be more uh, everything you know like more more over the top you know and and kind of more uh uh sort of 
I just see it as like an outgrowth of kind of like both sides arguments, you know, where it's like, well, he well, maybe you know he he may be killing thousands of people, but you know he's got some legitimate grievances, and it's like, really, like why do you need to make that argument? Like legitimate grievances, like that's not who are you saying that about? Well, we can say that about Darth Vader. Uh, I guess. I mean, in the original, they movies, do like, like a lot of work in those movies to make you believe that Darth Vader is secretly a good person struggling against, well, you know, the dark side or whatever. That's Lucas's retconning and stuff. You just stick to the original trilogy, right? It's it's only that he is like essentially evil. He's in the dark side of the Force, right? And then gets redeemed in by the end, right? And it's not it's not that well of a fleshed out character story or anything like that. So I, I don't know. It's right. not necessarily a great example. But um, yeah, trying to trying to like whatever Star Wars is garbage anyway. So it's 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 it's, oh my God. it's not really worth getting into. I you know the, I love the original trilogy, but like everything else is kind of like. Eh. But um, that's because you haven't seen Andor. Oh, I need to. I do need to see that. I I've heard so many good things about it. Wait, um, what's Andor? Oh, okay, yeah, no, I didn't see it. Obviously, <laughs> really? Wait, you haven't seen it either? I kind of I I have I mean I. I don't know. I kind of gave up. I'm, I'm exhausted. Okay. I'm exhausted with comic book films, and I'm exhausted yeah, with totally. Star Wars. Yeah, see, that's what's great about Andor is it's like the it, most I know not it's, Star Wars Star Wars I, I, no, property I know. there is. You, really, you've, you've you've actually. I'm glad you said that because you reminded me to to watch it. I, I need it's to great because it. it's it's basically a story about like you know how resistance forms against like oppressive societies and stuff like that. It's it's really great. Okay. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, I, I see, I'm starting like, to see a theme of Keith. I, I, I'm, I'm following it. He's, he loves the rise up films. Like he doesn't like the takedown films. Well, you know, like, like I want to see good like, people doing good things. Like, because I, no, I think that, that's I think actually that what just, society that is, needs. That is, yeah, good people doing good things just sounds really terrible for any kind of art. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like that's take Hamlet sad. for example. That's let's, really let's sad. Hamlet. Hamlet. Let's, Hamlet. Let's go he goes to, to Hamlet. Hamlet. Is Hamlet a villain or a hero? Hamlet a villain or a hero? That's a tough one. And he's the answer is probably that he's both. I, I mean, I think you can make arguments on both sides. And I, the reason I bring up Hamlet is just to say, like, this is not some new invention of society. You know, the, the most sort of, like, the, the underpinnings of Western art when it comes to this type of stuff, you know, you could say, like, Shakespeare has a lot of influence over that. And, you know, tragedies and comedies were both in his wheelhouse, and mm -hmm. the characters were the reason these things are still considered great works of art and everything is that the characters are complex, you know, and they have they have nuance and they experience tragedy and they don't make good decisions and they're flawed and haunted and can be villainous and all this kind of stuff. And like th this is a reflection of reality. Right. Good people doing good things is is a very like cartoony kind of idea for what art like should be or whatever. Now at the same time, you know, I can appreciate that that's kind of maybe what you want to consume. Right. Cause it's like, it's like, but, but it's like, we're good people. Right. But we still have complex lives. I, I I'm kind of a terrible people? person. That's not true. I mean, we're all, we're all good people. <laughs> like I wouldn't call any of us a bad person and we all have complex lives. Well, we I just, have I just our don't own think life. people fall into, into, these like stark lines of good and bad so easily 
you mean, know, like there's, we there's all have. Reason. It's laws. bad to go around killing people, John Paul. Yeah, but it's also well, bad sure. to make television about you know housewives of certain cities, and somehow those are the most popular shows on the E network, and people okay. love those shows. You're watching terrible people do terrible things to each other, and it might not be killing. Well, it's certainly not killing. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, like, stop but it's like it's, let's not making those things. No, that's my no, argument I, is like I, let's stop making. Those. No, I agree with that, but I'm saying. I guess Earth doesn't want to stop making that stuff. Earth still does this every day. Like well, it's, you well, know, maybe I should have been a network executive, and then I could have changed the world. But yeah, you could. Mario, you, he would have. He would have a movie about good people doing good things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, they're getting rid There's of the a drug lot of cartel. killing in Sicario, and I, yeah. you know, revenge is not. Yeah, but drug really... drug dealers dying is okay though. Like that's that's totally yeah. Right. But I'm not saying that's. That's like holding somebody to like a purity test that they could never fulfill. Like you could never like a hundred percent embody all of the ideals and morals that you believe in. Like good people will, like I said, like I just, like we just start, this is how we started out this conversation is, is that like the way that people deal with consuming things is that you acknowledge the bad part, Mm -hmm. right? Even if you do it, it it shows that you at right. least care about like what you're consuming. Like mm-hmm, if I mm-hmm, care mm-hmm. about it, that means that like in other aspects of my life, I'm going to hopefully do something about it and at least think about whether or not it's bad. Even if I consume, yeah, Sicario, which is, I don't know if I would really say like, That is a movie about a bad person doing bad things. Well, the majority of that movie is about like combating like drug cartels. Yeah, I so I mean, that's true. But I will. Here's another way of saying it. A movie about good people doing good things is is got to be the most boring thing ever put to film. No, it doesn't have to be. What's 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 a good example of a movie like this? Uh, the, anything on the Hallmark Network? <laughs> yeah, like what's what movie comes to mind as like the best example of good people doing good things? Being it's the Lord of the Rings, know. but there's bad people doing bad things in that movie also. Yeah, yeah but, but Frodo's it's not good. The focus of the movie, yeah, yeah. It's, Frodo's good. Sam's good. The Hobbits are good. Aragorn's good. They're all in that movie doing good things. Yeah, so like you know, you're saying like the 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 main plot is good defeating evil. I told you, so. he likes rise up, not. Take you down. can't you can't have a story where there's no like antagonist. Of, of right, course, right. there's going to be a story with somebody Conflict. doing a bad thing in it. I mean, what else is the guy going to be I think, like? I, you know, I think this is a, a great, a really interesting take on this because because it, it embodies something that I think maybe you uh, helps you know like inform your appreciation of these things. Sauron, does I have that right? He's the sure. eye. Sauron is is not a character with motivations and a, a internal dialogue and all these, he's literally just the embodiment of pure evil. And that's, that's the nature of it. So like, sure. you can't okay. identify with Sauron. You like, no one's going to be like, Oh yeah, Sauron, you know, he's really got really good points. <laughs> right. You know, he's like, he's like, uh, he's got a point there that Sauron, like he's just pure evil incarnate as a malevolent force. And that's like literally how the book, books kind of portray it as well i think and so like like you are like okay good i know who the evil is or what it is and it's just we're fighting against the nature of evil itself in a way and then we have a bunch of like good people who are kind of going off and doing that right 
and I'm not leveling a critique or anything. I'm just saying like, you brought this up as like the number one example of this. And it, it does do this thing where it like starkly defines the, what, so I brought it, it up what as evil example is example in the front of my head. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, and that those movies fall flat for me, especially on like the scale of classics because of this, because like, you know, it's, it's a simplistic worldview and, you know, the, you know, even though like Fury Road doesn't have nuance in the main, in like the main antagonist either, he's somewhat of an embodiment of evil. I mean, you know? Fury Road is essentially so, about good people doing good things. Mad Max is a good person. Furiosa is a good person. Mad Max a good they're person? trying to think... they're trying to rescue these subjugated women. They're trying to get to like a area where mm -hmm. they can be mm -hmm. safe from like yeah. And Mad Max nuance. doesn't have nuanced nuanced antagonist. I mean, there's, there's very little nuance to it. It's it's extremely bombastic and over the yeah, top. Yeah, like the bad guy you know? is the bad guy. In, right? right, right. Very clear. And like that works. I mean, I'm not saying that that can't work or whatever. So, um, but I'm saying that that, that fundamentally the story of Fury really Road and Lord of the Rings is the same story. It's a mm -hmm. fight against evil, like clear evil. And they are combating it. Mm hmm. It's a good versus evil story, and you mm -hmm. pulled it up as the best movie in the world. Yeah, and so I think that works. You know, I think that can work for sure. Right. Yeah. So, let, so there you go. Uh, a movie about good people doing good things that you don't find boring. That's right. That, that's right. good. That's good. Okay. Wait. I want to. I want to hit on the other part of this. Keith, you said and Substack. Oh so, yeah. So, so so we talked like, about. I mean, I, we the talked about rolling and movies and stuff. I have a whole like. I have a whole current ethical dilemma that I'm thinking about is that like my blog is on Substack, mm -hmm. which I've always known has had like sort of a hands-off approach to sort of their moderation. You know, they're kind of like free speech absolutist knobs basically. Um, and recently there's been this, uh, a lot of hubbub about how like there are like, you know, legit Nazis with newsletters on Substack mm -hmm. and they make money on Substack. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So theoretically, like the owners of Substack are making money off of Nazis, Nazi newsletters. Right. And in their terms of service, it's like, you know, you, it's like, there's no hate speech allowed, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, Nazis are fundamentally hate speech. Like, I mean, there's no argument to be made there other than that it's hate speech. And um, so they come out with this like letter and they're like, you know, you know, um, we believe that, you know, such and such, like everybody, whether or not we believe them, they should have love, the right to have their speech and blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, and a lot of like Substack writers have decided to basically leave Substack over this because they're like, I don't want to be on a platform that essentially subsidizes hate speech in some way, you know, by giving people a platform, but also giving them like a sort of payment system, more or less through subscriptions and whatnot. And I've been like thinking about it a lot and it's like, I, yeah, I use Substack, mine's free, right? Um, I don't like charge for it or anything. I have like, you know, 20 followers or whatever. Um, and like, I have no idea what the engagement is. It's, it's kind of sort of there for myself more than really like engagement. Um, but like, I've been kind of thinking like, do I want to leave it because I don't agree with 
Substack's stance on this or does it matter? And I think to the second part, I would say it does matter, but I don't know. That, that, that's like well, what this, I'm grappling This with, might get to like that holding two ideas in your head right? simultaneously uh, passage you read earlier. I think, you know, this is interesting because you and I have had a long running kind of like uh, debate over censorship, right? Mm, and yeah. some degree what you're, what you're saying here is like, or maybe not what you're saying, but like what the writers who left are saying is, is well, because some Substack has opted to not censor this certain type of content, we are going to leave. And like, I guess my first thought that enters my head is like, are they taking a pro censorship position? And I, I kind of feel like this is a, this is big in the culture right now is like, is like, you know, it's, it's somewhat become this weird thing where the right seems to be like arguing in favor of free speech because they have all these abhorrent ideas, I would say. And like, like the left as a reaction to that is somewhat increasingly taking a pro censorship position I don't know, Keith, would you agree with like my just that sentiment? I would say like, yeah, like some segments. I mean, mm -hmm. you do have to acknowledge like, I think you would call the ACLU like liberal, right? Mm. And you would call like, I mean, a lot of people would say the ACLU is left, right? Um, but the ACLU would defend Substack in a mm -hmm. lawsuit 100%. Because uh, there's they a lot are, of criticism. They are 100 percent right? for free speech for everybody. Right. So Wait, they I, have a they have a very free speech mission. Yeah. But I, I it's true that the left somewhat well, the reason that they're considered liberal and leftist is that like it used to be that the left was the one who would uh, the side that would be a little bit more free speech arguing in favor of free speech because yes when they were a little bit more in the minority. So maybe this yeah. is like a power no, dynamic. No, shift no, no, no. You, I think, I think I, I, I want to disagree with what you said. I, I, I disagree. I think Which part, <laughs> I, I think, I think they're both guilty of it. I think when you what say, you, wait, when you, you say, the, when you say with? the right, well, you said the right is pro free speech and the left is pro censorship. No. Yes. That's not, that's not really what I said. It was a little bit more nuanced than that. I'm saying that, 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 but okay, let, let, let that's fine to reduce it to that, but like no, what... I'm, I'm not. No, I, I, I mean, I can roll the tape. You said free speech, right? Pro censorship, left. That well, I, you know, I said, I said this is like a thing that we're seeing a little bit of a shifting around. You but know, we're, we're like, but we're, but we're not. Okay, so what? So yeah, what? What exactly is the right doing now? They are platforming and grandstanding. They're in some cases hate speech. But a lot of times they're saying, I can say whatever I want with no repercussions. That's why Mustbot X brought all these people back on and all of that stuff. But but what are they ultimately talking about? They're talking about censoring bad content. That's why books are being banned. People are banning books on the right. That's censorship. That's 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 the very essence of yeah. censorship. Ha having Dylan Mulvaney be eradica eradicated well, from Bud Light is right. the exact reason why they're saying what they're saying they're trying to so sense I, I think all you have to do, all you have to do is look at what they're doing in schools all you have to do is, is look exactly. at what they're doing Wait, in first of all i want to break their, I to see break what their actual opinion about censorship is right right they're 100 percent for censorship that, that, but, but they but just I'm want saying, to censor yeah. the things that they don't like they're, they're right, using free speech that's what i'm saying is they're using free speech yeah. as a platform 
for their censorship. Just like on the left, the left is saying free speech, but you need to watch what you say so that it's not harmful or hurtful to people. And right. so they're, and they're I, both I think... they're both censoring and they're both yeah. advocating free speech. It's just that it comes across as like, I'm a Nazi. I'm going to go on Twitter and I'm going to tweet all kinds of stuff and then monetize off of that because it works now. That's 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 still censorship, because if I'm a Nazi, I want to censor a culture like I don't you know what I'm saying? Like, well, it, so I, I just wanted to I mean, I think point, to I just restate, to point that out. I think you made a good point. And, and like I to restate, I would say, like, you know, it's it, it's not correct to say and i didn't mean to imply this i don't anyway but it's not correct to, what you're saying is like it's not really correct to say that the like suddenly the right is pro free speech it's more correct maybe to say the right is using free speech arguments to to sort promote, of promote their censorship to, to, well well to using free speech arguments when it when it benefits them right because when they want to say some of their, their like toxic stuff right and then they are also engaging in censorship at the same time in schools and stuff like that, which I, I think there's plenty of examples for. So like, you know, it's, I, I didn't just certainly did not mean to imply that suddenly the right is like the, 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 the side of the, the culture that is like pro free speech. They're using free speech arguments. Um, and so that, I think it's a really good point actually. Yeah. So, so, um, now the, I, I mean, the, I, 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 we have to back up slightly though, because like, when you're sort of like, so if Substack is saying like, I think it's fine to have Nazis on here, you know, like what they're basically saying is like, I think it's fine to advocate killing Jews. Right? Well, um, I, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I just, it's just like, I, I think that's the argument that a lot of this like free speech part of it, like ignores is we don't, I mean, you're, you're saying that, that Substack it's not, it's, it's not legal or right to make threats, right? Yeah. Hate speech is actually not legal in a lot of places. Like, right. And, and they're and, in very terms know, of service, they say, you know, like these things that you can't threaten yeah. people, you can't say yeah. hate speech or whatever. Right. But like, just having a Nazi symbol on your newsletter, you're mm -hmm. advocating for exterminating people. Right. And this, this, so part of what you're doing here or saying, is I mean I think you said this literally earlier when you were first describing the, the scenario, is you you said that that Substack's terms don't allow hate speech, but having literal Nazis saying regardless of what they're saying is hate speech, right? Yes. So like like the I think the question there is could you have someone who is like let's just make it very clear case could you have someone that's like an avowed Nazi writing about Neil Young on Substack? I mean, you shouldn't. Like, I mean, if Dude, you hit below the belt so hard, but like, I mean, if <laughs> like, gut shot. no. Sorry, <laughs> I, but what do you mean by writing like, about? Uh, cooking, like, what do you mean by cooking avowed, the perfect omelet? What's that? Like, what do you mean by avowed? Do you so mean take like, someone who has who has publicly somewhere said that, James, that James, a, let's just say James Woods. If James Woods, well, no, no. Let's let's just let's just make it like actor. like inarguable. No, but he's, right? ter like, he's a terrible person. Right, he says yeah, terrible things. So, Hold on. So, so the scenario is like someone has has publicly stated that they are a Nazi, right? That they're okay. just like like full like no question about it. That they they've yeah. come out, right? Yeah. But they have a Substack that's about um, you know you know a uh, uh, cooking techniques. Sure. <laughs> right. And and so like would that be allowed? Okay. So the best example of this is the only good thing to ever come out of Twitter is the Nazi bar star story. 
right? Do we know not? not we all know what? the Nazi bar story. No, I don't. I, I oh, don't really? What? Okay, I'd so, love to hear it. Okay, yeah, yeah, sure, 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 sure. Well, the Nazi uh, the, the Nazi bar story is a guy needed a drink and he went down the street to a local bar, just a random local bar, and he sits down and. He's not talking to the bartender. The bartender's kind of surly, no relationship. He's just sitting there having his beer. Another guy comes in, sits down and orders a beer. And the bartender goes, no, get out. And the guy's like, what? He's like, I didn't do anything. He's like, I don't care. Get out. And the guy, the first guy says to the bartender, like, what was that about? And he's like, oh, well, you know, he's like part of this Nazi group and they like, you know, come in here and they start saying all their shit. And he's like, a Nazi comes in and they might seem fine or whatever. And then a couple of their friends come in to have a beer with them. And then, you know, then they start having weekly meetings there. And then now you're a Nazi bar. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He's like, mm -hmm. that's, that's basically what happens to spaces. So this is like, watch it on, this is what's happening on Twitter, right? It's like you let one on because you're a free speech absolutist and now it's overrunning it. 4chan, all these places, right? Mm -hmm. So is that what's going to happen with Substack? Is there their free speech absolutist that does that mean that they're just going to let everybody on no matter how beyond the pale they are and whatever they talk about? And is now Substack just a Nazi platform? Right. That's a super interesting. There analogy. should be zero tolerance for a Nazi. <laughs> right. So, in, so, so to back to my scenario, the Nazi with the uh, cooking blog on Substack should be banned because no, they're a Nazi. No, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yes. I think that yes. is the story. Yeah. Well, I okay. Told. I mean, hold on. Which I'm, I'm not, I'm not actually, I'm not taking a position on this. I'm just, I'm not taking a position either, but isn't content, isn't content king here? Like, isn't that where we're no. debating? Not really. No, I don't yeah, think so. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We're debating. It's a little bit of a censorship. No, hold on a second. All right, let me let me tie one of my analogies together. Home Depot versus Lowe's. It's all about content, right? Irrespective of where those uh, campaign funds came from for the Trump administration, I still need to go get pipes. I still need content. If I'm following a food blogger and this food blogger is talking about food and nothing to do with Nazis, like, would it matter? That, I see that argument all the time. I see that argument all the time with like board games and all kinds of stuff. And the people say this like, I don't care what the author says. I just you know came here to have a good time. Well, you would you would and, find and that's out like about such that. a like a that's such a sort of me focused. Well, uh, way to look a at it. It's like here. I only care about my enjoyment. I don't care about like. We covered this already talking about Rowling and stuff like that and the nature that that in some cases you have to hold two ideas in your mind. And then there are cases where they will go so far beyond the pale that that it becomes impossible to do so. And I, I think that's kind of like a, a good personal framework for it. Well, it's you know, I'm not I'm not saying that Nazis are OK to be on Substack. I think they should be eradicated from Substack. I'm saying if I'm if I'm following a cooking blog for several years and then it turns out the person I've been following, I find out as a Nazi. Yeah, I'm going to be disenfranchised and never follow that person ever again. But right, I'm saying okay. if there if there is content out there that you're like, oh, this is good content, and then it comes out that you're like, oh, man, this person's like a terrible – like, for instance, I found out that this author who wrote a book that I wanted to read, turns out he's like a chauvinist, like like real disrespectful to women and all this kind of – like, I have no desire to give that guy my dollar, right? Well, or just like maybe I don't need to read this book, right? Like, Well, the, I'm interested one in the topic. Perspective. 
there's Sorry. a spectrum t- there's a spectrum to this and like i mean the, the the personal decision to like consume this content or whatever i feel like we we covered in the rolling discussion but th- this is like sort of a new thing where, where it's like well should substack engage in censoring these and the thing about like running one of these platforms that i kind of sympathize with is like nobody wants to be in the business of dis- of like gatekeeping their platform right like deciding who gets to stay and who gets to go under what rubric but it's like they, no one like i don't think it's censorship it was literally enforcing their terms of service which is well, pretty much like but the, i think the definition of censorship is is you know met by anytime you you and i'm not talking about like state censorship here right because yeah. i haven't mentioned the, the idea of free speech in this i'm just saying like like they have deciding who gets to post on your platform and what they get to post is censorship uh, in action. And like, I think we're all okay with it when it comes to like, you know, like they, they have terms to say no hate speech. Okay. We can all live with that. But you know, to, so, so to a certain degree, they're already having to do it. Right. Um, but you know, that no one really wants to, engage in like have it, having to do, take this job on you know because like substack well, and they like, shouldn't start their company in the first place well they're, you know ju- what I mean? they're like, like don't start a company that is about content if you're not willing to moderate the content as i say this is not i mean censorship and content moderation can be analogous but i think it's they're different yeah i, I mean i think keith's right in the sense that like we've gotten to a point now where where you have to and there's like laws especially in europe and stuff i think that require you to have some ability to moderate, you know, have people report toxic content and then have to deal with it. Like so you, have somebody, to, you sort of have to have this rubric. If you're in Poland, yeah. you're, you're not you're not allowed to have Nazi stuff in Poland. Like if somebody like, you know, <laughs> posts a photo, I don't even want to say it, a photo of kids or something like that, right? In a in a bad situation, like it's going to be moderated, right? Are we really yes. saying that like advocating for the extermination of like entire peoples is acceptable when the other thing is not acceptable like i mean mm-hmm. I, right you know what i mean like i to me like they're the same in well one thing of, like, one thing is acceptable. clearly that one part of this is that your first case there is is clearly illegal like the content itself is illegal yeah. and so you do you do end up bumping into sort of what some people think of as like principles of free society right that 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 um that we also have to contend with you know what i mean so i again i'm not defending the substack like decision i don't know enough anything about it really or like the content that people are objecting to i don't i'm only going based on your analogy yeah. here um you know but it is it is kind of like it, it is taking kind of a pro censorship stance in some to some degree well i guess like that's my question do the people are the people who left substack taking a pro censorship you know position on this but they, they're saying they'd rather have these ideas be be censored and i think i think probably yes um i think a lot I of mean, society would be okay I'm with that especially pro censorship of nazis Mm-hmm. Like, aren't you? <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. I think it'd be kind of, I mean, honestly, like, I think it's a little bit weird to take a tact of, like, not being pro-censorship on this one. Well, again, there, there's kind of this principle in 
this country that's like one of the foundations of the free society that we have. Like it's why we're a free society is that that free thought is allowed. Right. So I don't I'm not so glib with principles, you know, like, like rights and principles that we have. Like, but, I, you know, it's like like, yes, I don't really I it sucks that there's Nazis on Substack, you know, that that's clear. And I think the Substack would be in, in, within its rights to censor them. But I mean, right? if it wanted to as a that... private company. People always, you know, people always talk about the First Amendment and they throw that around like it's, you know, gospel and it should be. But we're, we're in different times now. I mean, pe- pe- when that was when that was written, free speech meant that you could you could be a free thinking individual, but you were still respectful to others and you weren't trying. No, it's not. <laughs> well, but I mean, think about it now. It's like, why would, it, why would that follow? Is free is free speech allowed if the purpose of the speech is to harm others? That that I don't think that's what the founding well, fathers wanted. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a threat to me. That's that's it what I'm saying. Like it's like a threat. Like like if you if you if you're on there as a Nazi talking about Nazi stuff, like that's that's not free speech. Yeah. Well, that's not free speech. That's not that that is those are threats. Those are threats, and that's anger, and that's well, it depends violence. On what, it's somewhat depends. free speech is like I I can be mad at my government. I could be mad at my my president, but but saying that I should go and hang my vice president that's not free speech. I think that's a threat. In, well, yes, incitements to violence are not. But that's what we're talking considered. about. I, here, I, isn't I just it? I I just think well, like, hold on. Me, so, being a Nazi and identifying as a Nazi is an incitement. To violence. Yeah, like so, there's... yeah, you're 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 making this case, and I I don't know that I disagree with it. That like, if someone is like an avowed Nazi, right, and they they uh that they that 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 the very existence of that means that well, what does it mean, right? Like this is everything they say is now an incitement to violence, even if it's a cooking blog, or you know. So you, I think there are some kind of complex ideas in here. Like the one one thing is. You're saying, and we we have to take it on faith at the moment that like you're applying this label, right, of Nazis, right? How many of these people are avowed Nazis that we're talking well, about? They're Nazi blogs, <laughs> right? So like, they're literally about. It, it, it's not like a guy who has said he's a Nazi on Twitter right. that, but then right. comes on Substack and writes about you know like they like aren't they aren't hiding it at all. Like like they're just they're literally just writing about like this this topic, yeah. right? So With, I, like to me that and stuff. Right, and you're, you know, when we're talking about a private company, that it would be easy for them to be like, "Nope, that's not allowed. That's hate speech because of its nature," and could could easily ban them. So, I, I this case might be very cut and dried, and I get the dilemma that you have, which is like, "Oh, do I keep using this platform?" This like, I mean, I think what you're saying is like, you might even go as far as to call them pro-Nazi just by the nature that they are allowing it, right? Is, is mean, that kind of the argument you're making? There's something, yeah. So, like, now you're using a pro-Nazi platform. Like, can you actually hold both those ideas in your head, you know? Right. Exactly. If that's that's the, that's the question, you know? Like, right. Not, not. yeah, I, I, I see it. And does it make you, you know, are you pro-Nazi by association? <laughs> I mean, there you go. Like, I mean, these are the kind of things that, like, I think we have to grapple with. But know? I will say this, you know, Dan, like incitement to violence is is not allowed. But the, the bar for that is is, I think, pretty well established with like all this legal precedent we have over cases around free speech. And one of the things that that our society has kind of evolved to is that it's actually OK, for example, to be in the KKK according to this right that we're granted by the free society, right? If you want to have your KKK rally, the cops will come out 
and keep the peace and prevent you from getting like run out of town on a rail by the, the people in the, the town. And this is like this liberal idea that like, look, these, we hate these ideas, but, but we, we have this right. We, we fight, we, we stand by the right to express them, even though we hate the ideas. Right. And this, this is like, this is the society we live in. And that's at the, the sort of governmental level. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think there is a difference between private companies. They can, they can enforce terms that think, are different from this. Do you think that that's actually what that was all about? Like when you, when you read, and I don't want to like get into the constitution, but like that, that concept of having free speech, the right to a, you know, a, a you know, free and fair uh, press, like I, do you think the founding well, fathers were thinking that there was going to be hate groups because KKK is not like a pleasant yeah. place to go. It's, it's people hating other right. people. What I'm saying yeah. is that, you know, if you think about, we were founded on, on a bunch of Puritans, right? They wanted to practice their own religion. They wanted to go yeah. do good things, right? Yeah. They, they came wow. here and slaughtered, but like the thing is, is that when they wrote these laws, they were saying like, Hey, we should be allowed to practice our religion. If their religion was like, well, let's go kill other religions. Like that's not, that, I don't think that's what that was written for. Well, I, you know, the history of why we have this amendment and stuff, actually, I'm a little bit like, I, I don't, I'm not a scholar of it. Like, I don't know how it, the exact reasons why it happened, but I also don't think that's necessarily important, you know, because what's, what's important is that we've established a right. And then you know who pushed for the Bill of Rights. Hold on. We established a right. And then like over what really matters is that over decades and decades and decades of challenging this, this right and the perimeters of it, the, per, the per, perimeter of the right court precedent has established kind of where our current position is now what that means is that that can change like the right. whole the whole point of the u.s legal system is that like you you can kind of keep making these arguments in court and court and start changing the interpretation that's through precedent yeah we don't have what, a judicial system we have a legal system that's all there's a big okay. difference uh, <laughs> so so I guess that's like a whole other thing, but like, you know, cause we're, we're at the hard stop for me right now. Yeah, I and I, the yeah. way I would come down on this is like, is I understand the dilemma that you're facing on this, Keith. And then at the same time, like the censorship debate that like we have going, I would say like, I have some thoughts about it. And one of them is like, yeah, I'm not super glib with rights that we have in this country. Like I do have, I do think there's value in, in some of the freedoms that we have at the society level, the governmental level, and like how this then shakes out to companies and stuff that are trying to operate in that is like is like a a, a sticky area. Like it's 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 evolving currently. Um, but I you know there's more to say about this. So like I think it's an interesting topic to revisit. Maybe I like it. Sure. But is, I mean, uh, you should look at the Bill of Rights as like basically like a proto libertarianism in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. Well, I think libertarianism probably stems stems from it. Like a, the thing like is a like, hard reading of the Bill of Rights, basically. The, the, the part the party of house cats. Which is basically just like, you know, the government shouldn't be able to tell me to do anything. Right. Interesting. So are you are you canceling the Bill of Rights here on this podcast? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> are you calling it out? Yeah, there's some benefit to this, right? Sure. Um, yeah. I mean we're a better country for it you know but okay. it does have pitfalls that you know sure. well definitely i mean look speech is dangerous too that's the other thing it's like yeah. it's well this is my, this is my argument in like 2016 is that the framers never envisioned social media yeah. well that's for sure and and also but yeah that 
I think the framers, we can leave them behind and like deal with it in this evolving, you know, it's malleable, you know, the court, the court yeah. precedent thing allows for some malleability to it. Plus we're also allowed all, we can all get together and agree to change things too. If, if there's some reason to, right. but, um, anyway, right. I, this is good to stop. Cause yeah, I this is good. Hard... All right. Hey, yeah. Uh, guys, uh, it was good. And, uh, thanks again for another episode. You've been listening to the semantics department.